Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. Amen. Good morning, Northridge. Feel free to have a seat. We're going to go ahead and get started. Hey, just want to one more time give a shout of praise for our worship team. They work really hard throughout the week, and we just get to experience that on Sunday morning. Well, hey, my name is Colby, and I serve as the student pastor here, and I'm really excited to spend some time with you. Most people see me on Wednesday nights hanging out with our students, but this morning I'll be hanging out with you. So in case you're new here to our church, uh, we've been studying through this book known as Core 52. And basically what we're doing is taking scripture's most essential 52 verses and talking about them over the course of 52 Sundays, which comes out to a year's time. And regardless of how much you've been here, or if you're new, been here for a long time, today we're going to be discussing a topic that brings much excitement into the life of a believer. Much excitement into the life of a believer, but also much curiosity for those who are still figuring out where they fit into all of this. So we're talking about the finale in Core 52, which is chapter 52 that talks about heaven. However, here's one thing that I want to ask you right off the bat as we get started. Let's all agree that for the next 20 minutes that we will dispose of whatever assumptions or preconceived notions we have about eternal destinations. Because if we're honest, most of our thoughts about heaven and even hell, for that matter, come from examples and sources that are outside of Scripture. For example, in my own life, growing up as a kid, I loved to watch Tom and Jerry. And for some reason, the cat and mouse game that Tom and Jerry played always led to somebody going to heaven. The stairway, as you can tell, and I don't really like to brag that this shaped and formed my theology as a young kid about what heaven is really all about. Now, don't judge me for this example, but when we talk about hell, there's one show that comes in mind, and here it is. That's right. The Simpsons, for some reason, always depicted hell as their um, choice, eternal destination. So... Don't judge me for that. Ned Flanders wasn't my favorite theologian either, but you get my point. You see, whether it be cartoons we watch as kids or books we've read in school or maybe it's artwork that we've encountered in museums as we've grown up and toured and visited places, but it shaped our view in such a way that I'm afraid we need to revisit it. As much as I love harps and babies on clouds playing the trumpet, and pearly white gates, and even the Simpsons and Tom and Jerry. I want us to know, heaven is a little bit more robust than this. And while we do need to think creatively, I want to pose a question for us all this morning, and here it is. What if we've seen it wrong all along? And here's another way I like to think about this. Maybe, just maybe, we've anticipated heaven wrong all along. So we're going to read from God's Word together. The main text for today is going to be out of Revelation 21, verses 1 through 3. Feel free to open that up in your Bible. It's the last book, so just flip to the very end. John writes here what we're going to read together on the screen as well. Here we go. 
John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, Northridge, I love scripture, but I will say the book of Revelation is one that I tend to stay away from in my YouVersion Bible app. Maybe that's different for you, but the book of Revelation is kind of difficult to read at times, and it gives us a lot of imagery from the ancient world itself, but I want us to know that it gives us our best image and our best understanding of what heaven is really all about. And as difficult as Revelation might be to read, I want us to understand Revelation in an uncomplicated way. Here's how I would summarize the book of Revelation. Revelation is about God revealing his relation to the world. Once again, Revelation is all about God revealing his relation to the world. And what we just read together in Revelation 21 is a perfect example from John. Check this out. What this means is it's something that we would never know about unless God tells us otherwise. God is showing us his cards through the book of Revelation. And the Apostle John does this by painting a picture of heaven in this final book of the Bible and in these closing verses of Scripture. If you know anything about John, he was exiled by the Roman Empire to this island known as Patmos in the ancient, ancient Near East, and simply because he was believing in Jesus in a time where that wasn't the thing to do. And during his time in Patmos, he envisions this new universe that God reveals to him directly, and he records it for us. If you go on to read, you'll see that there are streets of gold in heaven, that there are crystal clear waters awaiting every Jesus follower as this world comes to a dramatic close. And it's amazing that John describes this in such a way that it calls for believers, followers of Jesus, to long, to a, to long towards a place that they've never even visited. And that's what we call heaven. You see, just as I've asked everyone here to rethink, to reconsider heaven this morning, I want you to know that if I'm asking you to do it, it means that I've already done it and have continued to do it uh, leading up to this message. You see, I like to think of it this way. I share an office with our college pastor, Jonathan DeJesus. He's a great guy if you hadn't met him yet. And uh, we both love coffee. So most mornings, we'll come into the office together around the same time and start our days off with, check this out, the sweet aroma of Blackbird coffee beans. Anybody here like Blackbird coffee? I mean, it. It's the best. It really is. So we'll start our days off together with that sweet aroma of Blackbird coffee beans. And he's extremely generous. Most of the time, he makes it before I even enter the room. And without hesitation, he makes sure that I'm invited. Say with me, invited. Invited. He makes sure that I'm invited to have some. So as time continued to lead up towards this message and my preparation, I began thinking more and more about this sweet aroma of blackbird coffee beans being ground up. 
Now, my new understanding of the kingdom of heaven is a lot like those blackbird coffee beans. I enter the building on Monday morning and I round the corner to my office and probably just like you, a long list of work, a checklist if you will, is waiting for me at my desk. And if you're anything like me, you look past the clutter, you look past your files, you look past the uh, paperwork because you're, you're reminded of how troublesome it can be, how overwhelming it is when I see the workload. I remember all the burdens that our, our families Our parents and our students are facing as they prepare for this new school year, so thank you for picking up a backpack if you haven't done so already. Not only that, as a church staff member, I think about the families that we haven't seen at Northridge in well over a year. That's burdensome to us, and then there's just the everyday interruptions of the knock on your door or that mysterious phone call or that strange voicemail that you receive. Despite it all, When I think about my time in the office and coffee, I come to this new understanding that there is relief for me in something that's unseen. There's relief in something that's unseen. And I believe that can be true of all of us today when we talk about heaven. You see, the Apostle Paul has something to say about this in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. We'll have it on the screen behind me. Paul writes, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Northridge, as we continue to talk about heaven this morning, I want us to shift our focus from the everyday into eternity with this thought here. Here's my sermon in a sentence. What we can't see is inviting me. Now, I don't mean just me all by my lonesome. No, everyone in this room, me and you, are being invited by something this morning. Maybe you love to shop and you walk by Bath and Body Works and you catch that aroma of candles and lotions and perfumes that are way too expensive. Maybe just maybe you walk by uh, a bakery where fresh bread is being baked and you experience that aroma where something is inviting you to come alongside for the ride. Now I want us to think about Bath and Body Works or Blackbird Coffee or fresh bread And maybe we can just imagine for a moment that something bigger, something better was able to tell us that the promises of God are inviting us to partake. And maybe, just maybe, God's original intention for creation is closer than we think. If you remember reading in Genesis 1, 31, the creation story, the origin story of the Bible and the world, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, It was very good. You see, in the beginning, in creation, the world was already in this state of heaven, in the Garden of Eden. And yet some story about a piece of fruit threw us off course, and we've never been the same since. And now all of the everyday difficulties that command for our attention continue to bombard us. And what in your life has been filled with this? I mean, think about your your heartache, your job loss, 
your family struggles, maybe there's an addiction taking place, maybe you are um, struggling in your mental health, depression, or what have you. You see, when we start to list all of the difficulties in this world, I think it goes on for eternity as well. And I hope you see what I did there. But there's a couple of other examples that I want to show you this morning to illustrate what it means to exist in this world. Maybe you remember this. On June 24th, a condo building in Miami, Florida just suddenly collapsed out of nowhere. If you're able to stomach the video, you see floor after floor after floor crumble. Hundreds of people are trapped in and rubble falls on top. The death toll continues to rise and no telling how many were trapped underneath and it's a horrible tragedy. And yet, ironically, it's a perfect example of what our lives look like inside of this broken state of existence. What about this? A little bit closer to home, two weeks ago, in our old backyard, an 11-year-old boy was charged with arson and has since been connected to fires that have burned down homes in Washington County and in Sandersville. I mean, don't get me wrong. The mistake this kid made is great, and he should be held accountable for it. But he's just a kid. And it makes me think, if I were doing my job any better, maybe something like this wouldn't happen. This is what it means for us to exist in this tragic world. And as, as I think about the experience of the burdens our church faces that we see from a national and global perspective, and even in our own backyard, I have to ask, is this really it? Is this all this world has to offer? And maybe the golden question that you've probably asked before is, just why? Why does this have to happen? However, I want to encourage you today that Scripture can speak into these great dilemmas and will one day cause them to be distant memories for us as we enter into heaven. You see, heaven has an answer, and the Apostle Paul describes it like this in Romans 8, verses 18 through 22. Paul writes again, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from bondage, corruption, obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And verse 22 is so good. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Misery loves company. And I hope you can take encouragement today that the entire world has been suffering just as we have. You see, Northridge, I want you to know this morning that the world isn't supposed to be this way. The world is not supposed to be this way. Heaven has other plans. And thankfully, for those of us who've accepted the invitation into this unseen new heaven and new earth, have something else to look forward to when difficulty arises. You see, Paul writes in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So Jesus followers, our ultimate home is not in this temporary and troubled world. In fact, it's in the practice and it's in the presence of the Almighty God. No longer do we have to sit around and suffer. No, our suffering has meaning when we talk about heaven. And despite how good or bad we think we've got it now, the place we'll eventually find ourselves is far greater, far superior than anything that this tragic world has to offer. We're just fortunate enough. Your Monday morning or as you shop in the weekends, you catch a whiff here or there of that sweet aroma of how the world is supposed to be in the practice and the presence of the Almighty God. I believe we see this most as we worship in our local church setting together. You see, because at 321 Log Cabin Road Northeast, I believe heaven is here now. Where we meet worship, God meets us, and sure enough, this gives us a glimpse of what eternity will be like. Let's go back to Revelation 21, verse 1. Remember, John records, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. That was a pretty interesting statement. Uh, It doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that there will no longer be an ocean or a sea. In fact, it symbolically means that God exists among us right here and right now, and his spirit is pointing us towards a new way to be human, a new course of history where evil and sin will exist no more. And despite all of our differences as believers, there will be no separation, there will be no rebellion, there will be no hatred, there will be no racism as we celebrate as God's people together in heaven. And this triumphant conclusion even leads us to that famous understanding in verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Can you imagine a world for where the former things have passed away? Last weekend, I went to a a memorial service for a dear friend of our church, and there was a lot of tears shed. There was a lot of heartache and a lot of pain that, that I experienced. I can only imagine what this family felt as they left their loved one for eternity. And as I sit here and read Revelation 21.4, I can think, wow, one day there will be no such thing as tears or pain or heartache or separation. That the Almighty God has provided us an alternative world known as heaven. The world isn't supposed to be this way. And so as difficult as it might be to describe heaven through Tom and Jerry or the Simpsons, I want to describe that tension now of, of what it means to exist here in light of what's to come. There's a story I read earlier this week that I think you'll really appreciate. Anyone here know that there is a retirement home for chimpanzees in Florida? That's not a joke. Serious stuff. See, in the state of Florida, there's a rest home for chimpanzees who've either aged out of the scientific community or the entertainment industry, and they simply needed a place to go. Researchers discovered that one of these chimpanzees, or once these chimpanzees were released back into the wild, their survival rate plummeted, and at times they had no other choice but to euthanize these chimpanzees who got too old and really sad stuff, but researchers and professionals discovered that um, 
this outside group had wanted to come in and donate large amounts of money for a, a new sanctuary. And so the state of Florida recognized that, and they got behind that effort, dumped some more in, money into it, and sooner rather than later, there is a state-of-the-art facility for retired chimpanzees. It's amazing. And the architects, as they were designing, created this in such a way that uh, there was a jungle-like environment with trees and shrubs and, and probably bananas, I'm guessing. But it was mostly made up of rooms that looked like lounges. Think about waiting rooms that you'd find in a hospital or a testing facility. Kind of strange. This is where the story takes a turn. And so the designers also put in each room this uh, big flat screen television as well as VHS color-coded tapes. And this should age the story uh, quickly, but this was way back in the day, and these animals were so intelligent that they'd go into these waiting rooms, these lounge areas, kick their feet back and plug in a VHS tape and watch whatever their heart desired. Hang in there. Guess what show they watched most? Soap operas. <laughs> it was soap operas. Just general hospital. And the researchers continued to, to go and discover and think, why are they watching general hospital? Everyone realized that they were watching because it was the actors in the white lab coats. These chimps were remembering where they once were. They were remembering where their true home is. They were remembering the people who were once closest with them and ultimately where they longed to be yet again. This story blew me away. I mean, this is us. As I think about heaven, every Sunday morning we, we come to worship and we experience that sweet aroma of where we eventually want to be. And we even catch a glimpse of the one who we will one day be with. And I'm so thankful for that. Maybe you're like me and you long for a place that you've never even visited. You believe in Jesus, you love Jesus, and one day we will all call it home together. As we've discarded some of our preconceived notions with the Simpsons and Tom and Jerry, we're given a great picture of hope and our future home and as robust as heaven is, I mean, crystal clear waters, streets of gold, it all sounds great. But it means nothing until you know today that you're invited to partake. Regardless of where you believe you stand in eternity, I want everyone to know and be reminded of today's sermon in a sentence. What we can't see is inviting me. And not only me, but you as well. Just because the world isn't supposed to be this way doesn't mean that our worlds have to be this way forever. We've got a team of pastors and elders who are going to come up towards the end of this message, and they'll be glad to pray with you and make sure that you're confident of your eternal security. Don't walk out this place today. Don't walk out those double doors without knowing where you stand in the presence and the practice of God. And for us believers, I've got a challenge that we've got to keep living in a way that offers that sweet aroma to other people, that allows them to experience that whiff of heaven that comes out of nowhere and provides relief in the unseen. 
We've got to do that not only in our house of worship, we've got to do that in our workplace, where we live, and even where we play. Because the question remains, will we continue to do that? Heaven is at our fingertips. And what we can't see is inviting me, and it's inviting you. I want to pray in just a moment, but for some further instruction, we're going to receive communion together as the worship team comes back up. And what I want you to know is, as we celebrate communion together, it's one of the ways, while we're here in this troubled world, that we can experience heaven, that we can catch a whiff of that sweet aroma. Will you join me? We know where you're invited and you know where you want to be. So thankful for you, church. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you today just in awe of what heaven is and the finished work of Jesus Christ that's provided us an outlet, an avenue to come running back to God. Lord, we know that there's so much mystery about heaven and the unseen world that you're preparing for us. God, while we're here right now, just allow for us to continue experiencing what is to come. God, you're so good. You're so faithful to us. Allow for your Holy Spirit to go with us from this place. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at